Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. I think a lot of college athletes that don't then go and play professionally can really struggle with at times. It is so structured. Like your whole life, everything, every week of the year, every day is like structured and accounted for. And you get to hang out with all your best friends without having to make a plan. They're just there all the time. And everything is there. You don't, aren't just, you know, and it's, and so going from that to nothing, like where nothing is like, it's just a jarring human like just as a as a human like it just being able to try and you know adjust to that is just really really hard and i think you, you see that and then they are out for a year or two and then yeah. really want to get back into it when the late junior sale he articulated that just before his death he said i was so lost because the rhythm of my life was recovering from and then preparing for and then playing in a football season for 35 years it's just from high school through college through an outstanding 20-year NFL career. And he said, like, I was just fully lost when I didn't have that yeah. structure. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have my buddies to hang out with. I didn't have the, the rhythm of the whole thing. I also think there's an element, too, of, of guys that love coaching, like they actually love the, the position coaching. Then they become a head coach, and they lose that element of it. Obviously, at Carroll College and, and in the NAIA, Head coach is a little bit more hands-on. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Choate told us that he might actually, it might have been even your question yeah. uh, when he was giving his farewell uh, from Montana State, his, his last little statement. He said, dude, the number one thing I'm excited about is I get to coach ball again. Like, yeah. I get to do defensive line drills. I don't have to do recruiting budgets and all this other head coaching stuff. Oh, the other thing, too, that I don't think people realize that aren't around, like, you know, teachers and people that are around, you know, high school to college age kids um, know this, but there is, like just like an, an energy about being around kids and they do like keep you young and you hear that from all Dude. of the coaches and like they it's, all have so much all these coaches have so much energy because they're around all of these young people Barry Sachs acts like he's 25 years old exactly because you're, <laughs> yeah. you're just in that environment and there's just that's just how it is and so it just it really does keep you young I know so many coaches that are like like even like Nick Saban and all these guys yes. are like Coach K Pete Carroll those guys are so much older than you realize. Well, Pete Carroll's the oldest coach in the history of the NFL. What and he looks like, and he seems like he's a, a teenager. But like, think about like your parents, right? Like, and right. you know, like, and and or grandparents or stuff. Like, 
there's no way that like my mom just turned 70. There's no way that she could ever have enough like energy to like <laughs> be a coach like that. But there are, but like Pete Carroll's up there and yeah. he's running around like he's 40, yeah. you know, like it's just being around that environment just like keeps you young. And, and I think a lot of these guys miss it. And that's why you see Van Deese hopping back in, but it is just so weird when he's going to a different school. I think you'd agree with this too. Uh, the, there was so many things from both of us making a living in sports that just were terrible from the last year and a half. I mean, it just, it just sucked. It was terrible. But that's one element that I miss so much is just being around young guys, like being around young people. We didn't get to, I mean, interviewing guys on Zoom is just not the same, you know? Like, you don't get to, like, say, what's up, man? How's it going? Like, give them a pound, you know? Just mm-hmm. be around them. Just watch them joke around, any of that stuff. So that was something I definitely missed as well, just kind of being around just in person with young guys. Because it is true, they... Part of our job, the part of the best part of our, our job is is the inspiration that we can derive from watching the accomplishment That's, of young people, yeah. right? Well, and being able to, when you have just a, a scheduled Zoom or whatever, there's no like BSing before or after. Right. You know, it's like straight, like on the record questions. And, right. you know, for the most part, you're going to get all the cliche answers. But when you're in person, like beforehand, you're like, oh man, like palm for the game. Like you, you, you talk about all the all the stuff like beforehand about how excited they are or about the matchups and stuff. And, and you get excited by how excited they are, yes. you know? And so that's why like this summer has been really weird because normally I just want summer to go as slow as humanly For possible sure. because it's our downtime. We get to like go out and about relax. We're not putting in like 40 to 80 hour work weeks, but out of all the years this year, I'm like, ah, you know, I wouldn't be all that bad if fall just got here because I'm just so excited, you know. Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN, Missoula, SWX Montana TV. Sean Rainey joining me. Coulter Nuanez broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Check out nwmsrocks.com for the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. That leads us into our uh, uh, next conversation then. First of all, one other news brief. No need to really analyze it. It's just a cool thing. Uh, former Bozeman Buck uh, Bennett Hostetler, drafted yesterday by the Miami Marlins in the 18th round of the NFL draft. Uh, excuse me, the MLB draft. Uh, he's out of North Dakota State. Uh, he was the Summit League Player of the Year uh, this last year and an awesome athlete. We are efforting Bennett, and so hopefully he can join us here on the show uh, in the upcoming week or so. Uh, Alex Esserman from SWX Montana Television, she did catch up with Bennett, and uh, she had a good interview. I was watching it on the, on the TV earlier today, so she got some thoughts from Bennett. So uh, good job by her. But just it's cool that a, a kid from Montana. I mean, 18th round—that's a high draft pick out of Montana. So that's that's a great opportunity. It was funny. Uh, we ran the story, and then my wife texts me. She's like, "I coached him in like a kids' basketball camp way back like, in the day." She, yeah, yeah. And, I and, umpired him once upon a time when he was a like a U15 yeah, kid or whatever. And his dad was my wife's PE teacher, and so she's like telling like just the stories, like you know, and that, and that it's always these kind of things that make you feel old, you know. And you're like, oh yeah, we're getting to the age where like. We like knew or like helped out with these kids when they're like super young, and now they're, you know, going to college and graduating college and going on to big, bigger things. Well, that's like the Lang twins from Bozeman. They were uh, that are coming to Montana to play football. They were uh, good baseball players when they were kids. I used to do a lot of umpiring, and I usually tried to uh, get the older groups, the U12s, the U14s, the U16s, because they're pretty good by the time they get to be uh, 16. But I remember when those boys were playing on the U12s. Uh, I always had to memorize their numbers because they're very identical twins. And so I had to make sure, you know, they weren't pulling a fast one and letting one yeah. guy hit more times or whatever, you know, make sure it was all even. But now here we are, 
you know, it makes me feel old because I remember these kids when they were literally playing U-12s, mm-hmm. and now they're coming to Montana to play football. Speaking of excitement, though, I am so excited for college football to return as well, more than any other thing, because I just think that this has an opportunity to be, for the first time, and I would say this year, if my, if my predictions and prognostication is correct, I think that the Montana State Bobcats and the Montana Grizzlies will be as simultaneously good as they have been since 2011. I think the last time that both teams were legitimately top five teams was back in 2011, and that was the year that Montana went into Montana State when Montana State was number one in the country and blew the doors off the Bobcats. That game never happened, though, right? right. Yeah, according to the stupid rules, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the, the vacated title, the vacated okay, whatever. which brings up, not to go on a tangent oh, here. Let's, uh, okay, this is top but, radio, baby. Okay, let's go. so... So you, you know how with all the new NIL rules and everything, right. all this stuff. So like Reggie Bush is kind of asking for the Heisman he back. He tweeted, he said, give me my Heisman yeah, back. Terrell Pryor is saying like, <laughs> I, you know, to get all those wins back because the tattoo right. stuff wouldn't matter. I always, I thought this was like an interesting thing because I was just like, am I missing the boat here? Because like all of like Twitter and everybody is like, oh yeah, give Reggie his Heisman back, blah, blah, blah. I was like, now that the rules have changed, I was like, yeah, but. The, the rule was still in place then. And it and they, still was broken. Yeah, they, they still broke the rule. Like It's it's one thing to sell some autographs and trade for tattoos. It's a t- totally different thing when your parents are getting like a house? house bought for them. That's it's pretty outrageous cheating. I don't think the NIL even fits into that mold, really. I know, but, like, even, but even if it did like completely fit into it, like just because it's legal now doesn't mean it was... You, you still like knew that it was not allowed and you broke... The rules, so you still should be punished. I don't understand the whole like we need to get it all back. I, I, I maybe I'm just endlessly cynical, but I just am never surprised by any level of cheating that goes on in any sport. I'm not surprised by it at all. No, I'm not surprised that baseball players want to do a bunch of steroids. I'm not surprised that pitchers want to doctor the ball. I'm not. It's zero percent surprising to me. Well, whenever there's, I mean, think about how weirdly compulsively competitive we are, and we're not pro athletes. Pro athletes are a billion times more competitive than us, and well, we're and we're trying to beg, borrow, cheat, and steal to beat each other every time we do anything. Well, and we don't have millions of dollars. That's on the right. Line. That's right. You know, throw that in there, and you're always going to get that. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. But I do think that this is the, has the opportunity for uh, Montana, Montana State, to be as good as they have been at the same time. I think these are both uh, top five teams. Uh, it, the Montana State obviously has huge question marks coming out of this uh, elongated offseason and with a new coaching staff. I tend to to side toward some of the big question marks that have been around the Bobcats for several years are going to be eased with the addition of Brent Vegan, but I also think that there's an oppor- there's a chance where some of the things that Montana State's been so good at the last couple of years have a chance to not not be quite... Th- I, th- I think they're just going to have a different identity. Brent Vegan's a quarterback guy. He's going to want to score more points. It's not going to be you know, fire and brimstone and a fist fight because that's just what Jeff Joe wanted. I mean, Jeff Joe wanted a bar fight. Bruce Barn used to say it all the time. Bobcats just want to take you out back and fight you. And I just don't think it's going to be like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean better or worse. I think it's just going to be different. Irregardless, both teams internally have higher expectations going into the season than we've ever had in a long, long time. Like what you mentioned, maybe 2011. Like the Bobcats think that they're a top five team. The Grizz think that they're a top five team. Right. Their fan bases both think that each team is a top five team. And so going into a season, that's what makes it so exciting. I wanted to ask you, though, did you see the, uh, the Hero Sports linebacker rankings? I have not. Okay, so 
Where would you guess, out of FCS linebackers in the country, where would you guess Jace Lewis and Troy Anderson land on a top 25 linebacker list? I mean, I don't know. They should be somewhere in the top 10, right? Yeah, give me, just give, throw out a number uh, for I, each I mean, guy. I, I would say that I, I, I'm trying to... I was so disengaged in the spring season, so I'm trying to think of even just big sky linebackers that are elite outside of the Montana schools. There's a kid from Idaho. That's yeah, really uh, good. the uh, Caden Ellis's little brother, uh, uh, Christian Ellis. No, he no Trey Walker. It's Trey yeah, Walker. Trey Walker. Yeah. So he was number one on the list. Okay. I mean, he's he's a really good player. Um, I don't think he's by any stretch better than Troy Anderson or Jace Lewis. So Jace Lewis was three. Okay. And Troy Anderson was nine. And I was like, if there are eight linebackers better than Troy Anderson. My word, but I, I just saw that and I was very shocked that, uh, and I know maybe because like he's been playing a bunch of different positions and you might take some of it off of that, but like as a true, like just talent, like there's well, not eight he, linebackers better than Troy well, there's Anderson. Not, there's not one player that's better than Troy yeah. Anderson in terms of talent. I think Troy Anderson is the most talented player in the FCS. I will continue to stand yeah. on the table for that. I mean, I know Jeff Choate is an awesome talker. He's a phenomenal uh, hype machine for himself, his program, his players, all that. But he's also very honest in a lot of different ways. And Choate has told me both on the record and off the record that Troy Anderson is among the most talented players he has ever coached. And that includes stops at Florida and Washington and Washington State. I mean, Choate coached Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler was the number three overall pick of the NFL draft. Choate said that Troy Anderson is as talented as Dante Fowler. Well, and as good as, like, Jace Lewis is, if we're talking, like, ability at the next level, like, it's Troy Anderson that has the best chance to, like, Troy Anderson's going to be an NFL linebacker before... Or an NFL something. Before mostly any of those guys on the list. Oh, no question. You know? If Troy Anderson stays just, healthy, if he stays healthy and he can run in front of scouts, he's going to be, I think he's, he'll be a top 150 pick. I think it'll yeah. be like a fourth, fifth round pick. I just thought that it was interesting to see him that low on the list, and it's not like he's like a, you know, from a small school that people don't know about in the FCS. I just, right. So I just, you know, everyone knows who he is. So I just was... Kind of floored. I was like going, starting at one and going down. And I was like, "Where, where's mm-hmm, Troy? Where's mm-hmm. Troy?" And there he was at nine. I was like, "Interesting." Very interesting. Sean Rainey joining me, Coulter Nuanas in studio here. It's Nuanas now, one hundred two ninety ESPN Missoula. The Grizz. Uh, I think you, what you said it um, to me. This will be what the. I guess this will be our tenth anniversary. Uh, this is this will be what, the tenth football season of Bobby Hawks that I've covered. Uh, with him leading the Grizz between his first seven at Montana. Now, this is uh, season three, year four, since his return. I have never seen him have this much confidence in a team he's about to coach this early on. Would you agree? It seems to me like he thinks, I mean, every time I've seen him over the last year or so, he thinks that they are damn good. Yeah, I was a student um, when he was here the first time, so didn't, you know, wasn't there like right. covering it, so didn't hear him on the day to day and how he talked about it and things like that. But even just going back to the first two years and just the the way in which he describes certain things, you know, there's yes. there's a way that coaches will reveal their answers right. without actually saying it, and just by the way that he answers questions now, you can definitely tell that there is a confidence that was not there beforehand. Well, he, he planned that, too. His opening statement after the Portland State game, he said, our two goals, our two objectives was to play football again and to prove to everybody in the country that we're a damn good team. Watch out for the Grizz. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really do that kind of stuff. And so I, I was just taken aback by that, but I also thought it was, if you were a Grizz person, if you're a Grizz fan, Grizz follower, I think that should engender a lot of confidence within you because I think that he is very confident in this team, and I think he deserves to be because I do think that they have a lot of talent. Yeah, there's no, there's no like... um 
buts to it. So like in the first year, it'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're doing really, really good, but this, 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 right. this. Or like, hey, once we can do this, we're going to be really, really, really good. There's no like but or once we or if. It's now just like we're, we're ready to roll. You know, there's no there's no like secondary comment to a question or something. I still think they need it's to just find a the, straight answer. I still think they need to find a kicker. But besides that, yeah, I think which is thing, so which is so strange because because like, he's always Bobby Helton yeah. has had the best kickers in the in the country most of the time. Yeah, I do. And well, and he'll find one. That's the thing. I do think that some of these young guys uh, will have an opportunity. They still have a proven guy yet. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean they don't have a guy on the roster, but they still have a proven guy yet. So that'll definitely be essential, just because Bobby Howe puts such a high priority on special teams. Speaking of special teams, Montana State is not going to have a special teams coordinator this year. They will have coaches; they're working with special teams, but no ST coordinator. What do we think of that? At first, I thought it sounded crazy. I thought about it a little bit more, maybe not as crazy as you might think, but definitely something that caught my attention earlier today. We will hash that out for you on Nuanas now right after this. It's the heart of baseball season, and baseball season in Missoula and around Montana at the Pioneer League level is rolling right now. Welcome back. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula, broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Sean Rainey from SWX Montana in studio with me. We're also on SWX Montana, around the great state of Montana. Appreciate ABC Fox and SWX for partnering with us, giving me so much FaceTime, even though it's my least favorite part of my uh, job here, but I love being around the state on the uh, on the uh, airwaves. Just don't necessarily like looking at myself on the TV, but that's okay. Speaking of baseball, you want tickets? I got four tickets. Missoula Paddleheads, Billings Mustangs for Saturday night. This will be the first game of the second half of the season, so uh, Missoula could be celebrating a Pioneer League North first half title the night before, so it could be a, sort of a jubilant Beginning to the second half of the season, or if they don't secure the North Northern title over these next three games, then uh, maybe the first game towards chasing that second half title. But either way, Paddleheads are off to a phenomenal start. Uh, they have been rolling through the Pioneer League. So you want to go check them out? First game of the second half of the season, Saturday, 7.05, Ogre Park, Allegiance Field. I got four tickets for you right now. So give us a call or shoot us a text, 406-888-1029. That's 406 888 1029, call us or text us, and we will get you set up to check out some baseball uh, over the weekend on Saturday night. I'm going to the Paddleheads game tonight as a uh, fan, not not as a media guy, but as a as fan. I'm excited about it. You you go fans, and and uh, you've done this from a reporter and a, a fan perspective. Have you called any Paddleheads games yet this year? 
We called the very opening game. Oh, that's right. Yep. With, so, with our with our guy Jeff Safford, right? Yep. So called the opening game. Um, it's it's kind of hard for me to do it, especially because I have all my shows that I have to do. Right. Um, yeah, it's hard for me too because I don't get off. I don't get out here till six thirty, yeah. and they start at seven, so it's kind of fast. I've done a couple, but it's it's really hard to get over there. And I've gone to a few games where I've like brought the fam. Yep. And then uh, I do some live shots there. So yep. I'm just kind of chilling in the outfield. And Your the last live shot was great with was all the Was in the kids. outfield, yeah. So sometimes I'll just be, you know, hanging out with family and then, you know, do my little live hit and then and then go back to watching the game with the family. Today, I'm just going to go shoot some highlights. And um, it's nice when the games are, you know, on the weekends or, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we can, uh, I can just clip the highlights because we broadcast those games on SWX. Right. So I don't physically have to go down there if I don't right. need to, and I could run around, do other things, and then just get back to the station and just clip all the highlights from our broadcast. You know, we don't air the game tonight, so I got to physically go down there, get some highlights for the shows. Tomorrow, Friday and Saturday, all those games will be on SWX Montana Television, as well as every game, home and away, all season long, right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Got any tricks? Got any sneaky secrets about the ballpark, or any any good navigational tools, or anything good that you, mm. you go and get? Or is there any? It's pretty straightforward down there. And the logistics of these games are great because it's never you know that crazy busy. You could just go get some popcorn, get a beer, whatever. Seems. Oh, cool. I always just say, especially on hot days, like I always just get general admission, right? Or even, or if you just get if you get tickets that are on like. The first base side, I always just go out into the grass or right. into the general admission side where there's the shade, um, because that's <laughs> it gets pretty hot in those seats. Like oh, we it we we tried to do it in those first base seats, and we were sitting there for like 15 minutes. I look over, the kids are like just straight red, melting, looking like yeah. they're gonna like pass out. <laughs> so I was like, all right, we need to go over to the grass and just hang out. So I would say that's kind of the the one little one little trick. Everything else kind of yeah, straightforward. What's the biggest difference you notice in the Paddleheads uh, compared to what we were used to with the Osprey? Um, that's a good question. I, I wouldn't say much, to be honest. Um, I think overall, the play is a little, uh, you know, heavily weighted towards the offense. Yes. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Missoula is hitting three nineteen as a team. This yeah. Year. So I don't think the I don't think the I don't know if it's because a lot of the hitters are a little bit more experienced and older, so they're taking advantage of the pitching, or the pitching is just not as good. I think the pitching is not as good. I think I think it's both, honestly. Um, I think I think that also. I think the biggest difference I noticed it's a lot easier to uh, sort of get into the team and the lineups and stuff like that because they sort of play a same lineup. It used to be when you go when it's a developmental arm of a major league organization. They have a different starting lineup every night. Mm-hmm. There's no like everyday, there's a couple everyday players, but even they hardly play every inning of every game. Whereas now you go down there, you know, Zach Allman's just going to be the hitting in the heart of the lineup. You know, you just know who you're going to see him get four or five at bats every single night. So you can kind of learn the, the uh, teams better, but also then I think that caters to what you're saying with the offense. Cause the hitters are, I think the pitchers are still rotating almost similarly to what they were before. Now the hitters, they're getting hundreds more of at-bats than they used to. Yeah, I just think I think with when it comes to pitching and at, at this kind of a level, any guy that has like the raw stuff is usually going to be, you know, picked up by a team. That's right. You know, because even if like you are a don't know what you're doing, but if yes. you throw hard or have good yep. stuff, like people, teams are going to take a chance on you. So it's just why it's like the same reason why it's so hard to get cornerbacks at the FCS. Yeah, level. so if you can run and, and cover, you're going to the FBS. Yeah, so there's just I don't think there's um, you know s- you know the 
the higher ceiling type of pitchers, right? Like there there used to be in this league. And then, I mean, but the Paddleheads had one and Bash who you know signed he was with, great. left and went with the Blue Jays, and so they've had three players that have you know signed with uh, major league teams, two with the Cubs, and you know one with the Blue Jays. So it's still it's cool that it still gives these guys and shows them that there is still a path that if they come here and play really well, they could get picked up. And, uh, you know, I think a Billings Mustangs player just got signed as well. And so that's kind of cool. But overall, like, um, when, you, when you talk to anybody with the Paddleheads, like, dude, they are, like, super, you know, jacked and nervous and anxious about this next three games because, oh, yeah. like, this is a big deal for them. Like, they, you know, to be able to punch your ticket to the playoffs, then you don't, there's not that pressure in the second half of the season. You already know that you're in. Yep. And uh, so this is gonna be a, it's going to be a fun and there's going to be a little bit of attention in the, you know, at the ballpark, which will, which would be nice. It's always fun when there's a little bit of pressure on the line. I think that's the other thing that I noticed is that I think there's just more buzz about the, the paddleheads because, I mean, we've obviously been talking about them a lot because we met, I mean, we're the official uh, carrier of all paddleheads games, but also they've been performing well. And that's sort of the number one entry point for this show here. Nuana is now. If you if you perform at an elite level at any of the sport that you participate in, we're going to talk about you no matter what. And they're they're off to just such a great start, thirty two and thirteen coming into tonight's game. And so here's the scenario: three games left in the first half. The uh, they are tied right now with the Idaho Falls Chuckers atop the Northern Division. Paddleheads they do host the Billings Mustangs tonight. If Missoula manages to win Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Idaho Falls loses one game on any of those days, and they're visiting Ogden, who is uh, the best team from the South, the Paddleheads will then be crowned first-half champs. Idaho Falls does hold the tiebreaker edge over Missoula. So uh, a little bit of work left to do here, but I do think it's sort of fitting, too, because I know the rivalry aspect of this is probably um, not that big of a deal for the players. There's a couple guys that have played for Missoula before, but I do know that you know guys like Matt Ellis and and people that have been around the Paddleheads organization. Matt Ellis, the the vice president, general manager, uh, guys that have been around the, the Paddleheads organization for a while, they consider Billings like their rival. So I think that would make it even sweeter to. They're sort of like the one traditional team that's left from the old Pioneer League. Missoula and Billings have always been battling. So I know like Matt and his parents and and the people that have been involved with the Osprey and then the Paddleheads for the last twenty five years, they really consider this a rivalry. So. Um, it would be sweet, I think, for them uh, to, to sew up uh, the first half title. So, now all that being said, you want to go to the first, half, the first game of the second half? Call us, 406-888-1029. I got four-pack tickets to Saturday's game against the Buildings Mustangs. More baseball, plus a return to college football talk as well. Keep it right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Yo, what up, Montana? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back in. Snuana is now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Sean Rainey joining me, Coulter Nuanas, here in studio. We're talking about all of our excitement about the upcoming college football season, and we talked a little bit about both the Grizzlies and the Bobcats coming into this year and uh, a lot of the hype that surrounds both those programs with the question marks that surround both programs as well. 
But today, uh, story of the Bozeman Chronicle, good job by Colton Poole, uh, who's covering the Cats there in Bozeman, um, for getting this one out. But uh, his it was about Brett Vegan's staff and sort of the evolution of that staff and some of the additions that have been made. Probably the biggest piece of news from the offseason since Vegan was been hired in terms of the coaching staff was B.J. Robertson. B.J. Robertson was uh, the director of high school operations as well as the special teams coordinator at Montana State uh, during Jeff Choate's time. Robertson was uh, essential and um, very impactful in the recruiting of the state of Montana. He was sort of the liaison between all of the high school coaches and programs to the Bobcats. Well, his departure then left an opening on the staff, but Brett Vegan decided to not fill it specifically with a special teams coordinator. When I initially heard that, I thought that seemed crazy. I thought that seemed very short-sighted. I thought that seemed sort of demeaning to the... The, uh, the art of special teams as it is. Brett Vegan told the Chronicle, honestly, the percentage of standalone special teams coordinators is pretty low when you don't overlap with the coaching position. I think BJ, what he brought was a unique combination of Montana knowledge, recruiting, and then I think the, continu- the continuation of what they had done special teams-wise. So I was willing to pivot just a little bit. He went on to say, I did not anticipate BJ leaving, but I respect his decision ultimately to do that. So... um. I actually was thinking about this a little bit more. I don't think it's as crazy as I initially thought, but your thoughts, Rainey, of uh, the fact that they're not hiring a full-time special teams coordinator at Montana. It's hard to say. You know, it it depends on how it's divvied up, you know? Right. Um, Because there's been been a lot of times where, you know, yeah, like kind of like he's mentioning there, where like it's just a a different position coach is kind of like, takes the reins of it. You well, know? right, right now um, for at Montana, for example, Montana does not have a special teams coordinator by uh, title, but Bobby Houck is one of the great special teams guys in the country, and Shan Schillinger is sort of leading the way on coaching special teams. And so, you know, there, there, there's guys working with... It's not as if Montana State's not going to have special teams coaching. You know what I mean? It, yeah, the issue is when... And this happened to Montana in the Stitt era, is when you start having different coaches diving into the role and position and there's not like a centralized voice to know who to like listen to. Right. And there's just different opinions and people popping in like, Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. And then one other guy coach is saying, you got to do this. You got to do that. I think that was kind of the issue in some of the stit days. Cause remember dude, they, they were so bad on special teams and it was, it was so crazy to watch because what, what the state of Montana gives you is going to cater toward being a good team on special teams. For whatever reason, I think, actually, not, it's not for whatever reason. I think that there's a lot of uh, weather elements that go into it, a lot of multi-sport athletes that come up through Montana. But Montana's always been really good at producing punters and kickers. There's been a lot of good guys that were you know, all Big Sky level players that are from Montana. I mean, Dan Carpenter's from Montana, uh, from out of Helena. I mean, Tyson Johnson was a great punter from Stevensville. So a lot of times you can get your specialists from Montana. And then also, that's where so many of the Montana kids break in, is running down on kickoffs and stuff because they love it. So to be a, a bad on special teams like Montana was, was it was unacceptable. Well, the only... <laughs> They were so bad on kickoff coverage that the only way that they got good is they played every starter on the kickoff Literally, coverage team. Running down Cooper yeah. Gamboa and Kendrick Van Akron on kick teams. Yeah, and like <laughs> and and Keenan Curran was on the kick team, like kick coverage. Like Jerry Louis McGee was on like the the other side, like uh-huh. as like the speed guy in case like they break it away. Yeah. Like it was just you're like, what? Um and and they got rid of a defensive coordinator and then, you know, Snit and other people started like 
They're like, oh, yeah, I'm you know in on those meetings now and blah, blah, blah. And it didn't really get much better. And I think a lot of that is just because I think you just need that like common centralized voice. And as long as there's that, you don't need an official title, I, you know. So well, and it's also very interesting too because uh, some of the best coaches in the Big Sky over the last uh, decade plus, honestly, have such strong special teams backgrounds. Bobby Houck is a special teams guy. That's where he has coached at the highest level in his career. Jeff Choate, one of the most well-regarded special teams guys in the country. I mean, he was a special teams guy at Boise State, Florida, Washington. So he has a high acumen for it as well. Jay Hill. Great special teams coach at Utah for years and years and years. So those guys particularly don't need a special teams coordinator because they essentially are that. They just have another guy well, doing it. And I think that those guys that have like a special teams background, they just view it as an important phase. Like, you know how everyone says there's three th- phases of football, offense, defense, special teams. I think that there's a lot of coaches that wouldn't say that there's three phases. You know what I mean? Like Which is so crazy. they do, but like they don't they don't value special teams Which as is, much as they do offense and defense. Like you'll you'll have, you'll go through all of practice and you're like you'll spend a little bit of time on special teams like at the end or something like that. But like a lot of these Montana practices that I go to, I mean they're doing special teams at the start of practice and it goes for a while. And coaches like yelling at people oh, way more in that oh, in that segment than any first, other. The you first know? half an hour of Grizz practice under Bobby Houck is special teams. Yeah, period. Yeah. All year round. Yeah. And so like, and he, I told him that when he first got back, the first fall camp practice I went to, I he's like, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well, first of all, coach, I got to give you credit for consistency. It looks exactly like a practice in 2008. It's the exact yeah. same drills, but also." I told him, uh, appreciate the fact that you guys are actually doing things like pursuit drill and kickoff coverage. So many special teams skills are so applicable across the board in football. So I, I just think it's crazy when teams don't prioritize special teams. And what happens, though, and I've talked to a lot of guys, like a lot of the younger guys that are on special teams, is when the head coach and the program puts an emphasis on special teams and they handpick you yes. to be on special teams, it, it gets a sense of honor and pride and with having yep. with having that role on special teams, for sure. which then just makes the whole unit better. For sure. You know, you can't fake it. Like, you know, like if there's a, a coach or a program that doesn't really emphasize special teams all that much, then as a player, you're just like, all right, I'm on special teams, like blah, blah, blah. But if you know that it's super important, then there's just like, like you said, it just brings everybody up. And there's so many times where there'd be, you know, Grizz games the last couple of years and, you know, the Grizz will win by like 20 or 30 or something like that, have a great game. And coach will come in to do the, the Grizzly sports report. And I'll be like, hey, pretty good game. He's like, yeah, but we got one kick blocked because so-and-so missed an assignment. And, like, he was just, like, furious that, that there was, like, one tiny mistake on special teams. It's, like, it's that um, level of focus and attention to detail in that phase of the game that just trickles down and, and results in, you know, having a good unit or not on that side of the ball. Well, for so long, too... That rite of passage, it was the way that you first started to climb the ladder, particularly as a defensive guy. But it was guys from both sides of the ball. Guys like Dan Moore, uh, Kendrick Van Akron, Connor Strom. All those guys, they first started flashing as special teams guys. You go back to the old days, the first how go round. Guys like uh, Lauren Utterback. I mean, those guys were first flashing on special teams. And it used to be, if you became that guy who Washington Grizzly Stadium loves, the guy that runs down makes the tackle on the opening kick or whatever, 
you started to build this star power, even though you're just covering kicks. And so I, it's, well, it's I, important for the, the structure of the team. And I think more so, too, it just gets back to, like, you know, what Coach Houck has been saying over the last few years and just you you need more depth in the program. Yes. And I think that's just the result of that. It's like, oh, yeah, you're a stud linebacker is having to, you know, sit and not be a starter until he's a junior because you have – all the guys in place and you have that system going where you're churning out all the guys. And so what are you going to do? Well, you're, you're going to be a stud. You could probably play on other teams, but you're going to just going to be a star on special teams. And then when you become a junior, then you get to hop in the starting lineup. And then it's just kind of like a, a rotating you know cycle after that. I would be willing to venture that Bobby Houck coached teams, special teams wise have scored as many touchdowns on kickoffs and punts. As any as any specific coach that's the the guy the mastermind behind the the, the design of the schemes than anywhere in the country, I, I can't remember covering a Grizz team coached by Bobby Houck where they didn't have at least one or two kicker punt returns for touchdowns. And to put that in perspective, Montana State's been fine on special teams during my last eleven years covering them, and sometimes good. When they had Jason Cunningham as their kicker, they were excellent. Rory Perez was a pretty good kicker punter combo guy. Always been good to to pretty good special teams wise, but. With the exception of Sean Johnson, I guess Logan Jones had one once. But it's been a minute since Montana State has really had any sort of uh, kick or punt return for a touchdown. And uh, it's the regardless of the actual point total that you might accumulate on special teams, let's say the Grizz score you know 28 to 35 extra points in a given season on special teams uh, in the return game. More than that, though, it's the it's the swing of momentum. Like if you house a kick at home at Washington Grizzly Stadium or at Bobcat Stadium, that could be the entire turning point of the game. Well, not even that. If you can just return it to the thirty-five or forty every time instead of starting on the twenty, like all of that hidden yardage. I mean, that's that's two free first downs for the offense. So instead of having to get five or six first downs on a drive to score, and you only have to right. get two or three because you have good field position. And even if you don't get a first down, then you could pin the other team back because you started at the 40-yard line. Like, the sti- like the Grizz lost that game against Weber State, remember, because of special teams. Like, they fumbled yes. two kicks, like, right away. They had yep. terrible field position the entire time. All of it, like, yeah, Weber State dominated on defense to start the game, and then the Grizz got some stuff. But all of they lost that game because of special teams. Hey, special teams yeah. put them behind the eight ball from the very beginning. Weber State lost that game, it, it, or that game in, in Missoula snowballed a couple of years ago. Because they couldn't, you know, have a good snap on a on a punt, and and their special teams was a mess, and that's why one of the reasons why Houck's teams back in the day always dominated. Like they were just so much better on special teams than like everybody else. Exactly. What, people always dog on Weber State this last handful of years because the quarterback play has been less than stellar. Uh, it, it's not an exciting brand of football that they play down there. It's just all defense and smash mouth football. Jay Hill wants to win every game, twenty one seventeen. But how do you win games twenty one seventeen? Well, you have. Trey Tuttle, who's a three-time All-American kicker, one of the best kickers in the country. You have Rashid Shahid, who's perhaps the best kick returner in the in America. That is the exciting part about what Weber State does. They they beat you ten to nothing in the special teams before the game even starts. So then all they have to do is really play you to a draw. They can play their boring style, and they're still going to win. And that's why they're four-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. I mean, I'm just trying to think of like kind of the the, the stit. The Stitt era compared to some of the the Hauk era, when you think of just like dynamic electric returners, yes, like who were the returners? And I can't really think of like the kick returners during the Stitt era at all. Right, like none, no, 
names right. really come to mind. I know. I, I mean, Jerry Lou McGee was a, a technically a bobster recruit, but he's a walk-on during that time, and he was shined more when Coach Houck then came back. Yeah. But, I mean, but like, kick returners, like, I don't. Right. Like, remember, they tried so many different guys. Well, that's... that's and none the, stuck. That's you know? the brilliance of Bobby Houck, too, though, is he fully understands if you have an electric kick return. That guy, especially in Missoula, uh, in Mon- at Montana, he will be a a big-time star. I mean, guys like Lavander Seegers, Tuff Harris, Jefferson Heidelberger, uh, Mark Mariani, like those dudes... First and foremost, we're breakout stars because of in the return game, first and foremost. I mean, Malik Flowers is a great example because he doesn't even play at any I, other I, position. I do not believe he's actually touched the ball in a game. He did. He had I think a touch he did in the spring. He had a touch in the spring, but I don't know if yeah. he's actually had a catch like in a well, like, fall he doesn't, game. Yeah, he doesn't play wide receiver. <laughs> he's gotten a lot better at it, and I think sure. he'll actually make you know waves yeah. there. But he is you know an all like an all big sky, maybe all even American. all American oh, yeah. returner. All because of this. You I know. know? Just, I know. I was. I, I think I actually tweeted that because he had the end around where he got tackled on like the two yard line. Yeah, and it was almost a touchdown. But I was going to tweet Malik Flowers scores his first offensive touchdown on his first touch, which is also I, I think it would have been his fifth touchdown of his career. Yeah, without ever getting an offensive touch. But that's just like an example of like you're not even taking like mm-hmm. an All American that's really good at another position, and that's and he's just so dynamic that you put him back there. Like Malik's obviously dynamic, but like yeah. It's just, you know, he, he's, they both, he, he's elevated because of Coach Houck yep. and, you know, and, and all, the, all the, you know, it's just, it's very interesting to watch. It's also interesting, too, to me when you have guys that do like to play a more uh, slowed down physical style of football, like Jeff Choate or Jay Hill. But guy like Jay Hill, he wants so many explosive plays on special teams. Choate was so dedicated towards controlling the game, controlling the clock. That they put Kevin Cassis back there, and Cassis is a great athlete, but but he was not a guy that's going to break the game open. But he knew that he would catch it, and exactly, not fumble, yeah. exactly. Just give me the ball. It doesn't matter where we get the ball at. I just want the ball so that we can hold on to the ball for as long as we possibly can. <laughs> More talk about college football, as well as baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and everything in between. Keep it right here on Nuanas. Now, hour one in the books, hour two with Sean Rainey. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming at you hot on one two nine ESPN Missoula SWX Montana Television. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.